0: what a great opportunity with hilltop camp didn't know about that opportunity until just now um So, what a great opportunity. I would love, and I know maybe this isn't my spot, but I'll say it anyway because I have the microphone and you don't. Um, I would love to see Sherwood Oaks just knock $20,000 out of the park for the Dollar Club. I, I think that's something that we could do above and beyond what we're already doing. And it would be great if, if you would consider being a part of that this morning. And uh, we could just say to Hilltop, we got that covered. We'll take care of that for you. So that would be an awesome opportunity for Sherwood Oaks to bless the people of Ukraine through our camp at Hilltop. So we'd love for you to consider doing that. You can do that uh, in the lobby at the boxes. You can do it at the boxes here. You can also go to socc.org give. Um, to do those things as well. So just would love to see us knock that out of the park. So I'm not sure when it happened. Um, it's funny how sometimes when things happen in your life, there's a specific moment of day, a day, a date that lands on the calendar, and you know this is the point at which this started. For me, I don't know what, when it was that it started. Um, we were preparing to move to Bloomington last summer in July, and sometime in the midst of that, it hurt my back. And at first it wasn't bad, it just began to bother me a little bit at a time, but we were preparing, as we were preparing to move, um, we decided that uh, as the movers came and, and packed up all of our belongings, they pack about 99% of what you own and are putting it into the car, we decided in the midst of that that we would camp in our house that we were living in at the time as we began to prepare to turn our townhouse back over to the landlord that owned it that we were renting from. We knew we were going to stay for a little bit of time because we needed to, to clean and get things sorted out and organized and that kind of thing and and when you're moving and you're using professional movers they don't always take everything and so there's always some things that they wouldn't take and so we decided in the midst of that moment that we would pack up the things that they wouldn't take and we would camp in our house in Virginia as we prepared to move here and we knew there would be a gap in time where until our things arrived here, we would be without our things here. And so we were going to camp there and we were going to camp here. We were going to pack up our clothes and our essentials and the things that they wouldn't take and the cat and the things that didn't go into the moving truck. I tried to get the cat in the moving truck, but they wouldn't take her. And we decided we would camp here. And what camping looked like was we had a queen size air mattress that we were going to sleep on. And our kids, we had inflatable mattresses we were going to sleep on. And during that time, as we began to transition here to Bloomington, I went out for a run in the morning. And I had done this regularly, but when I came back from my run, something was different. And I couldn't really put my finger on what it was, but over the next couple of days, my back began to hurt, like really, really hurt. Hurt in a way that I hadn't experienced before and Over the next couple of days, the pain went from bad to worse. Not only were our possessions in the midst of transition to Bloomington, but so was our medical insurance. As I was leaving one job in Virginia and taking the job here, so for the first couple of weeks, I toughed it out. I took some Advil. I rested, but it wasn't getting any better. And so I did what most of us do. I began to watch YouTube videos and an attempt to self-diagnose what was going on because I couldn't get in to see a doctor. And so I began to watch videos and read things. As I began to try to get connected to a doctor, in the second week of September, I finally went to urgent care. The pain was so bad that I said, I just have to do something. And so I walked into urgent care, and the doctor there thought that it was a muscle spasm. And so they gave me some muscle relaxers, which didn't help. And so I saw somebody else who thought, well, maybe it's a herniated disc, and so they gave me some pain medicine, which made me feel good, but didn't help my back. And all along, I kept having this reoccurring thought, I'm 44 years old, what if this is how I live now? What if this is just my reality, that I'm going to have this every day? Until I die. And I've never really had thoughts like that before. And it was kind of a little bit scary. Nothing was fun. Nothing was enjoyable in my life. I couldn't relax. I couldn't sit comfortably at the dining room table with my family and eat dinner. I couldn't sit comfortably at my desk here at Sherwood Oaks and work. I couldn't sit even comfortably in the recliner. My wife would attest to you that for weeks and weeks in the evening as we watched televisions, we hung out after the kids went to bed, I laid on the floor in our living room because laying on the floor was really the only thing that made it feel okay, And I thought, what if this is it? One thing that kept me going during that time was the word hope. I had hope in the next thing, the next doctor's appointment, the next physical therapy appointment, the next medication, sometimes even just the next day. I started to look forward to upcoming things on our calendar, things that weren't days for other people, but I began to look forward to things like my daughter's birthday. And I thought to myself, what if by my daughter's birthday, my back doesn't hurt anymore? What if by trick or treat, my back doesn't hurt anymore? What if by Thanksgiving, my back doesn't hurt anymore? I began to set these, these milestones in my, on my calendar And I've never experienced chronic pain like this. I'm 45 years old now. I've never experienced chronic pain like this before. I'm sure there are some of you in the room. I heard about it after 8 o'clock. It's funny how things like this draw people in. Some of you have experienced chronic pain like that, and you know what I'm talking about. I'd never experienced this before. But even when things were difficult, I never lost hope. Today is a great day in our Core 52 study. Today is Easter. And you're all like, it's July, right? You've heard of Christmas in July. Well, at Sherwood Oaks today, we're having Easter. So if you're reading along with us in our Core 52 series, chapter 44 is all about the resurrection. We're going to talk about Easter. We're going to experience Easter in July today. And I hate, my wife said this a couple of weeks ago, because, and this is absolutely true, but I hate that we're getting to this week of the study in week 44 in the summertime. Now, why would I say that? Because it's summer, Right? And lots of people are traveling and lots of people are gone and lots of people aren't here and they're missing an Easter talk this morning and I hate that they're missing that today. Maybe you've fallen behind in our series. Maybe you've fallen behind in our reading and and you're like, I'm on week 14. We would love for you to catch up because some of these talks, as Pastor Sean talked about the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians and today we're going to talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians and next week we're going to jump into Philippians and Ephesians, some of these weeks... In Mark Moore's book are some of the best weeks in the book, and I'm hating that we're catching these in the midst of summer. And so we'd love to invite you to read a couple of extra pages, to, to listen to an extra podcast, maybe take an extra lap around the neighborhood as you listen to a back message that you've missed, but we'd love for you to catch up on our Core 52 series. But today we're going to talk about Easter, so happy Easter. We're going to start off this morning with a truth, Hope is a powerful thing. Hope is a powerful thing. In the midst of my back issues, which some of which are continuing today but aren't nearly quite as severe as they were before, I never lost hope. In 1945, just a few short months after his marriage, a doctor and psychologist named Viktor Frankel in Vienna, Australia, and his family were sent to a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. His father would die there of starvation and pneumonia 1944, Frankel and his remaining family members were sent to Auschwitz, where his mother and brother would be murdered along with nearly 1.1 million people. Frankel would later write a book in 1946 entitled, In Man's Search for Meaning, in which he would chronicle his experiences as a prisoner in those concentration camps. And in that book, Frankel would write this, Between 1944 and New Year's of 1945, the Camp Sick Ward experienced a death rate, and I quote, beyond all previous experience. Not due to food shortages or worse living conditions, but because the majority of prisoners had lived with the naive hope that they would be home again by Christmas. When this hope was unmet, The prisoners found no reason to continue holding on. They had nothing to look forward to. When a mind lets go, so does a body. According to Frankl's observation, he continues, regarding the higher death rate after Christmas, hope is a choice. Hope, it appears, is capable of sustaining life. While every external factor may root against you, one single act of internal defiance can counteract it all. Hope is powerful indeed. This morning, I bring you some good news, and I bring you some bad news. Which would you like first? The bad news, right? We always want the bad news first. Well, here's the bad news. We're all going to die. Not today, but all of us are going to die. 100 out of 100 people die Someday that reality is coming for you. Someday that reality is coming for me. There's going to be a day in my future when I'm not going to be here anymore. That's a reality that all of us as humans have to come to terms with. Unless Jesus comes back in the next 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years, unless Jesus comes back in that time frame, we're all going to die. It's a terribly morbid thought. But it is a reality that all of us have to come to terms with do you want the good news? There's hope. There's hope. There's always hope that that death isn't the end of the road. If you've got a Bible this morning or a Bible app that you'd like to use, we'd love for you to to open up to John chapter 11. We're going to camp out a little bit there in John chapter 11. As Pastor Sean talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, if you're following along with us in the U Version Bible app, this morning's outline is online. You can find it uh, if you go to socc.org/online. You can find it. It's right there in the U Version app. You can follow along with all the scriptures and and uh, and the points and that quote from Victor Frankel from a few moments ago. We'd love for you to do that if that's something that you would like to do. But let's set the stage this morning. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Feast of Dedication. Jesus gets into a little bit of a tussle with the Jews. They try to stone him. Jesus talks them down. They try to seize him and arrest him, but Jesus gets away. And at the, gen- at the end of John chapter 10, Jesus crosses the Jordan River to the place where John had previously been baptizing. And we don't know how long Jesus was there. This, the Gospels are kind of a little bit funny in how they tell the story sometimes. They don't always line things up with dates like we would prefer. We don't know how long he was there. But at some point while he's there, Lazarus, his friend, gets sick. And Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. And he's just a few miles down the road in Bethany. But Jesus decides, strangely, for whatever reason, to stay. And he doesn't go to Bethany as he's been asked to come. And in the meantime, Lazarus dies. And there's a conversation between Jesus and his disciples, and they talk about why it is that they're not going, and they talk about whether they're going to go and, and why they're going to go, and we're not going to get necessarily get into that this morning, but they eventually decide to go. And Jesus and the boys head down to Bethany, and when he arrives, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now, four days is important. The Jews believed that for three days after a person died, the soul didn't really depart from the body. That it kind of hung around, it kind of waited in hopes that maybe it would be able to be reunited with the body. And as, 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 uh, as Bar-Kapara says, that on the fourth day, the, 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 the soul would see that the face, the color of the, of the face of the dead person had changed and it would finally leave. And so Lazarus is, in the words of the Munchkin Corner, not merely dead. He is most sincerely dead according to the Jews. His sisters, Mary and Martha, are just a little bit frustrated with Jesus for obvious reasons. Mary may may have been so upset with Jesus that she wouldn't even come to see him. And so it sets up this interesting conversation between Martha and Jesus. Look at John chapter 11, verse 21. Martha says this to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. A pretty pointed statement. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. First, Mary takes Jesus to task for being late, as only Martha can do. Sorry. Martha takes him to task. But then she leaves the door open just in case Jesus might want to do some of that walking on water, feeding the 5,000, raising somebody from the dead razzle dazzle that he sometimes does. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But if you'd like to do something about that, we'd be okay with that. Look at what Jesus says in verse 23 Jesus tells her, Your brother will rise again. Not a very comforting statement, not a very encouraging statement. Don't try that one at the next funeral that you attend. Martha reminds us of what we all know in verse 24. Look at this. Yes, Martha says, he will rise again when everyone rises at the last day. There are moments in the Bible where I wish I could see it rather than just reading it. As I'm sure some of us do, I'm a visual person. I wish I could just... I don't know. I want, to, I want to see it. I'd like to see facial expressions. I'd like to see mannerisms. I'd like to see how Jesus handled this. Because Jesus may have slightly shaken his head at Martha, missing the point. See, if we were to leave John's gospel and we were to jump over into the book of Luke and we don't know exactly how Luke and John align time-wise But since this is chapter 11 of John, in chapter 12 of John, Jesus is going to be anointed. He's going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to begin the Passover, or not the Passover. He's going to begin Passion Week headed towards the cross. We can relatively speak with confidence. This is towards the end of his ministry. So maybe Martha's aware of what happened to the widow's son in Luke chapter 9. Maybe Martha's aware of Jesus raising Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8. And so, most certainly those happenings are in the past. Maybe that's what she's looking forward to. Maybe Jesus will do that again. Look at verse 25 and 26. Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Hope. Did you see it? Right there in that verse? Did you see the hope that Jesus brings to all of us right there in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Not just I am the resurrection. See, Jesus brings us hope, hope for life after death and hope for life before death. See, a few verses later, Jesus would say in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus came to bring true life now and resurrection life later. Look at John chapter 11. Now, to prove that these weren't merely words, because Jesus could have just said anything. Jesus could have just said whatever he wanted to say. Look at what happens in John chapter 11. Jesus goes out to the tomb. He summons Mary to come. He gets into action. He goes out to the tomb, and he proves that he is both the resurrection and the life by raising Lazarus from the dead in verse 44. Now, that is indeed miraculous. But not as miraculous as this. Just a few chapters later in John chapter 20, a different Mary, Mary Magdalene, is standing beside a different tomb with tears in her eyes. She is also looking for a dead friend. But what does she find? She finds Jesus, not dead, but very much alive. This same Jesus that said, "I am the resurrection and the life," just predicted His own death, burial and resurrection. And it happened. And it happened. I would love for you to pick up Mark Morse chapter 44, because Mark jumps into a lot of things that we don't necessarily have time to jump into this morning. He talks about some of the historical evidence behind Jesus' crucifixion, because not just was Jesus' crucifixion logged in the pages of the scripture, Jesus' crucifixion was also logged into pages of history. There are two different historians that write about Jesus' crucifixion, a guy named Josephus and a guy named Tacitus who write write about his crucifixion. And then he goes on to talk about his resurrection and some of the historical side of that because it would have been extremely difficult, almost impossible for the apostles in the early church to claim that Jesus had been resurrected if they could just go and get the body. See, for most of us, have never, most of us have not been to Israel. We've not traveled to those places. I've not been there either. I'd love to go someday. Hopefully someday the Lord will bless me with an opportunity to go and see where Jesus lived and walked and died and was buried and resurrected. But you can't go there and find a body because it's not there. And Jesus and his followers, or Jesus' followers, they, they said, this guy is alive. This guy has raised from the dead and he appeared to people to Simon and John and the 10 disciples minus Thomas, and then eight days later with Thomas, and later by nearly 500 people. If Jesus hadn't been resurrected, then why couldn't the Pharisees just produce a body and end the conversation? Game over, it's all done. But Jesus wasn't dead. He, hadn't been ra- he had been raised, and he wasn't there. Some of what John 11 and John 20 may have been in the back of the Apostle Paul's mind as he opens 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Listen to to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I pass on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said, that he was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve and after that, seen by more than 500 followers of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have died. Then he was seen by James, later by, the, by all the apostles, and last of all, as though I'd been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. See, Paul's lining up all these people in 1 Corinthians who, because the Corinthians, some people in Corinth were saying, Jesus hasn't been raised, Jesus hasn't been raised, Jesus isn't really alive, are you sure Jesus is alive? I don't think Jesus is really alive. And so Paul's going, hey, no Peter? He's seen him. How about Thomas? How about Andrew? These guys have all seen him. Some of these guys are gone. By this point in in church history, likely James, Jesus' brother, is gone. But the Apostle James is still alive. These people have seen the resurrected Jesus. And some of the people in Corinth were living in a hopeless place without the resurrection. Look at what Paul says in verses 13 and 14. For if if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And here's our core verse for the week, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. What a hopeless place to be. And if that wasn't the most hopeless place, Paul goes on to write in verse 19, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are to be pitied more than anyone else, more than anyone in the world. But that isn't the end of the story, is it? Because Paul goes on to write verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Now, why could Paul say that? Because he saw him with his own eyes. The resurrection was real. There's hope. Paul goes on to write at the end of chapter 15, death has been swallowed up in victory. He says, where, O death? Where, o death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting of death, and the law gives, it, gives sin its power. And in verse 57, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, happy Easter in July. So what do we do with this this morning? Let me give you a couple things before we we head out of here today. The first thing is this, we would love to invite you to begin a relationship with Jesus, the risen Savior Jesus. I don't know where you're at this morning, I don't know where you are in terms of your relationship with Christ, but if you're outside of a relationship with Christ, we would love to invite you into a relationship with Christ. We talked about resurrection. Everybody gets one. For those who are Christians, you get two. And we would love to love to love to help you have that resurrection. That if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'd love for you to step across the line and step into the baptistry like we did at 8 o'clock, at the 8 o'clock service, and be buried in the waters of baptism and raised to newness of life. That's what baptism is. That's why we do baptism. It's a remembrance of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And if you're here this morning and you're not in a position, in a relationship with Jesus, after I'm done here this morning, we're going to sing, we're going to take communion, we're going to do our response time. There are going to be people around the room with green, with green lanyards on. We'd love for you to approach one of them and begin a conversation about what it means to start a relationship with Jesus. And if walking forward or talking to somebody in person isn't your thing, or you're joining us online this morning, we'd love for you to text the word BAPTISM to the number that we used earlier, that 814 or 812 three, two, four, eight, six, four, four number that uh, that we mentioned earlier. And when you do that, you'll begin a conversation with a staff member here at Sherwood Oaks about what it means to to be baptized and, and how you can do that. We'd love for you to do that this morning. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe this morning, you just need to be reminded of the hope that you have. This morning, we don't want you to lose sight of that hope. See, life gets in the way sometimes. Stuff piles up. Life piles up. Pain piles up. Stuff piles up. Bills, worries, difficulties, sicknesses, sadness. It all begins to pile up. And what happens is we begin to lose sight of the hope that God has called us to, of the hope that we have in Jesus, of the hope that there's something more to this life than just living and dying and paying taxes. And maybe in this room this morning or watching online, you said today will be my last day. Don't let today be your last day. Reach out to someone for prayer this morning in this room. Those people around the room that have green lanyards would love to pray with you. There's somebody online worshiping with you who's who's listening to you online or talking with you online. If you you need some help this morning, we'd love for you to type that in the chat. We'd love to connect with you. Don't let today be your last day. If you're struggling today, be encouraged. Hang on. Ask for help. Start a relationship with Jesus. Keep sight of the hope that God has called you to. And maybe this morning you just need a reminder to share the message of hope with someone in your life. Maybe you know someone who's struggling. Maybe you need to schedule a coffee. Maybe you need to schedule a lunch. Maybe you need to swing by and visit with somebody in your life that you know is struggling. Maybe take a few moments this week and encourage them. Maybe just make a phone call or send a text. Maybe you need to sit down with them and listen to them and cry with them and pray with them and point them back to the hope that we have in the resurrection of Jesus who defeated death. Maybe you don't specifically know somebody, but you want to just share it with people that you know. It's always amazing to me how the Holy Spirit leads people to digital resources. Maybe if you're watching online today, you just hit the share button and share this service with somebody. If you're in the room this morning, and there's obviously no share button, but we'd love for you to to find this service later and just hit the share button. You never know in your life who might be struggling, who might need hope, who might need encouragement. And so maybe this morning you can be the encouragement that somebody needs. Maybe take a moment today and just share the hope that you have in Jesus with somebody else. I don't want anyone to leave our service today in this room or online without knowing that Jesus has in fact been raised from the dead. And our faith is in fact not useless. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to this earth, to our world, to live, teach, die, be buried and resurrected in power so that we could have a relationship with you Thank you, Lord Jesus, for conquering death and burial and resurrection. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org/messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.